you would look with me in your Bible to the book of 1 Peter in chapter 2. The book of 1 Peter in chapter 2, and I'd like to read verse 18 through verse 25. Once again, we look at Jesus Christ, our Savior. I want to note particularly the words, His own self, if we We'll read those in verse 24, but notice those as we read. 1 Peter 2, verse 18. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. For this is thanksworthy, if a man for conscience sake toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if when we uh, be buffeted, let me start over there. For what glory is it when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently. But if and when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was God found in his mouth. Who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live under righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Again, notice particularly in verse 24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Before we look at our text, I want us to notice again the context. Peter is writing to the people of God, and he's encouraging them to be faithful unto God, to be faithful unto their calling, be faithful in obedience to the things of God, especially in their duty and service unto God. And in the context that we read, he uses the substitutionary death of Christ uh, to accomplish his means. I want to read some things that lead up to our text. And I'm going back to chapter 1. In chapter 1 and in verse 13, and notice again how he is encouraging them in their duty. In chapter 1 of 1 Peter, verse 13, Wherefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Look in chapter 2, 
if you would. And I'll just point out verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people. And I like to just stop and point this out from time to time. Immediately following what we just read, he, he gives a purpose clause. He gives a purpose for what he is saying. You are a chosen generation, you're a royal priesthood, you're a holy nation, you're a peculiar people, but for what purpose? For what purpose? And here it is. That ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And I won't read it, but also in chapter 2 in verse 11 through verse 17, you have nothing but Christian duty. That's what Peter is emphasizing. And then you have where I began reading our text in verse 18. And if you look on down all the way through through verse 23, and then you get to verse 24. But back up, if you would, to verse 21. For even hereunto were you called. He's talking about suffering in this world, being mistreated unjustly in this world, how we are to deal with that, how we are to tolerate that, how we are to act as Christians in this world, even though people do us wrong. How we are to deal with it. And then if you note in verse 21, the latter part of the verse, you have another purpose clause. That ye should follow his steps. That ye should follow his steps. We have in verse 21... It says in the middle of the verse, Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example. And I want to mention something about the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are those who think that is the only purpose in the death of Christ, His life upon this earth, even His suffering, that he just did all of that for one purpose, and that was to leave us an example. That's all they want to look at, the example of Christ. You've heard the question that people who feel very religious but seem to know nothing of the Word of God, what would Jesus do? Well, I'm not that concerned about what Jesus would do. That just does not enter into my thinking. What I look at is what will he have me to do? What would he have me to do? What's my duty? What's my obligation? How, how am I to live? What am I to do in the service of God? What would he have me to do? Let no one ever think that Jesus suffered and died for just the purpose of leaving us an example. No one has ever been saved by just trying to follow the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. He did not live a perfect life and suffer upon this earth. 
to establish some form or system of reformation in religion. That's where many are today. That's where many this moment find themselves. They want to follow the example of Christ. They're tied up in many different forms of religion and they're in a system of reformation. Jesus is our example as it's stated in verse 21. But he is the example of no one until they trust him as their Savior. He cannot be the example of anyone till an individual trusts Jesus Christ as their Savior. What good as an example to someone who is dead in trespasses and sin. An example, no matter how perfect, is of no use to a dead sinner. Again, they may be involved in reformation and religion, but savingly, the example of Christ is of no use unto them. And before anyone tries to follow Jesus Christ as their example, they should first make sure they know Him as their Savior. They know Him as their Savior. Nothing else matters than that. I'm going back to verse 24 again. And I want to point out these words. Who His own self bear our sins in His own body on the tree. Who his own self bear our, our sins in his own body on the tree. Just in those very words, we get to the very heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here you get to the root of the matter. Again, if this is not true, if you do not believe this, it does not matter what else you believe. You do not believe this point that we are dealing with this morning. I'll read it again. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Keep those words in mind if you would. And I'm going back to Isaiah chapter 53. And I never make an apology for using Isaiah 53 too much. You cannot use it too much. You cannot use it too much. Remember what Peter did right concerning Jesus Christ who did bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Isaiah chapter 53, and I'll begin in verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. And just notice in your mind how that last phrase in verse 6 relates to what Peter did right. Now go on reading in, in verse 7. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. The submission of Jesus 
to bear what the Lord put up on him. In verse 6, the Lord hath laid on him. Just think about this. Think about the load, the burden that was upon Jesus Christ. The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Then look at verse 10 if you would. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pressure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. For or because he shall bear their iniquities. Again, I just put a seal there. He shall bear their iniquities. In verse 12, Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sins of many. Our text in First Peter and in chapter 2 and in verse 24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Peter affirms and acknowledges that Jesus did exactly what the prophet Isaiah prophesied that he would do. Isaiah said the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He did bear our iniquities. Peter said he did. It was foretold that he would. Here we have that he did. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. When the Bible says the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. It's not speaking of all mankind, but for all for whom he would die. We know by the scripture that it is all of the elect of God. It's all of those that were chosen in him unto salvation before the foundation of the world. It's all of those sheep for whom he would lay down his life. It's for his people. He came into the world to save his people from their sins. I want to point out something here about divine justice. Brother Justice wrote a great Bible study this morning on Jesus as the judge and the justice of God. Jesus did his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. 
Look at 2 Peter, if you would, in chapter 2. In 2 Peter and in chapter 2, and in verse 4, when the angels in heaven sinned, God did not spare them. Verse 4 said, God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell. He did not even spare the angels. If you look at verse 5, He spared not the old world. He brought the flood. I'm convinced it is a worldwide flood and destroyed everything other than what was safe in the ark. He spared not the angels. He spared not the old world. Look with me to Romans in chapter 8, if you would, and in verse 32. When Jesus Christ <coughs> was bearing our sins in His body upon the tree, He had all of my sins, and if you're a believer, He had all of your sins, and they were just laid upon Him. Every one of them just laid upon a burden upon Jesus Christ. And you read in Romans 8 and in verse 32, as He was hanging there on the tree bearing our sins, Romans 8 verse 32 says, He spared not His own Son. That's divine justice. God when he looked upon Jesus Christ bearing our sins, executed judgment upon him for our sins. Human nature that you and I have, if we were dealing with our children in such a way, we might have mercy. We might have mercy upon them. When Jesus Christ did bear our sins in His own body on the tree, God the Father had no mercy upon Him at all. None at all. When we read in the Scripture about the suffering and the death of Jesus Christ, I don't think we get even a small glimpse of what He endured. Divine justice demanded full payment for all for whom Jesus was bearing their sins and God spared not His own Son. God spared not His own Son. After Jesus had endured physical abuse, physical punishment at the hands of men, His suffering was just about to begin. It's a shame that the, the view of so many of the suffering of Christ is limited to His physical suffering. That's all they ever see because it's all they ever hear about. Now, I know it was necessary for Him to suffer that or He would never have to go through it. But after men had done all that they could unto him, and they were restrained by God, 
They could only do unto him what God had purposed for them to do. But after that, there was three hours of darkness. Three hours of darkness. No man knows what all went on during the three hours of darkness. But we know what men did unto him. And we're told a little bit back in Isaiah 53 what God did unto him where it says God hath put him to grief. Again, all many see is what men did in putting him to grief. But God put him to grief. God spared not his own son. I'm going to go back and read from Isaiah 53 once again. In Isaiah chapter 53 and in verse 4, it says, Surely he hath borne our griefs. Again, that statement is just repeated over and over. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. And again in verse 10, it says, It pleased the Lord to bruise him. That goes far beyond the physical bruises. That goes far beyond the, the physical suffering in his body when the Lord did bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When God the Father put his Son grief. I'm convinced it happened during the three hours of darkness. When Jesus suffered there in a way that we have no idea. But he had to pay the full penalty for every individual for whom he was dying. I mean, just the sin of one individual is enough. That would cost me and you an eternity in hell. But then the multitude for whom he died, he did bear their sins also. He did pay their sin debt also. God did put him to grief for those sins also. Our text 1 Peter chapter 2 and in verse 24 Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. We ought to all have the desire to be as sure as we can about what Jesus actually did. That ought to be our desire. That ought to be number one on what we want to hear preached and taught. And just what did Jesus actually do? He did bear our sins. Do you know what that means? If the Lord laid on him mine iniquity and he did bear my sins, I know immediately it means judicially 
I don't bear them anymore. A thing cannot be in two places. If the Lord put on him judicially my sins and my iniquities, they can't be on me anymore. Again, a thing cannot be in two places. We do have a real substitute. He actually did bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Hebrews in chapter 9 and in verse 24. Hebrews in chapter 9, verse 24. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often, as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, but now, once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. As it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Verse 28. Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. In doing so is our substitute he was condemned in our place. Again, God spared not his own son. He paid the full penalty of our sins. Notice verse 26. About middle ways of the verse. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. I mentioned earlier, if Jesus did bear my sins, and I'm speaking from a judicial standpoint, God the Father judged him and judged our sins in him. If Jesus did bear our sins, we don't bear them anymore. Verse 26 tells us he put away our sins. And we're told in the scripture our sins are put away as far as the east is from the west. A distance no one can ever measure. The east from the west. Verse 26 But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. 
Again, the reason that we're told in Romans there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ, he put away our sin. There's no sin to judge in God's elect. They're put away. He came into the world to save us, and in order to do that, he had to deal with the sin problem. And he put away our sin by the sacrifice of himself. 1 Peter 2 and verse 24, who his own self bare our sin in his own body on the tree that we, being dead to sin, should live under righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Isn't that what Isaiah said? By whose stripes you were healed. If Jesus did judicially bear our sins, I'll say again, we don't bear them anymore. I've been around some who I'm convinced they were Christian. I think they were true believers. But it seemed like they just moped around during their lifetime. I'm just a poor sinner. And there's just something about that that irritates me. If you're saved, you're a saint. You're a saint. Why not walk around with a positive attitude I'm a saint, a blood-bought saint, transformed from a sinner into a saint. I don't have my sin anymore. Jesus took care of that. And just there's something wrong with a, a true believer going through this world, moping around, and seemingly to be self-righteous, and they they're, seem to be proud of their humility. I'm just a poor sinner. You'll never hear me make such a statement. I'm a saint. I'm a saint. A blood-bought saint. In our text in 1 Peter 2 and verse 24, who his own self did bear our sins. And I'm going to stop there for a moment. Christ did bear our sins. And if he did bear your sins, he did bear all of them without exception. That's important to know. Armenians have the idea in their view of universal redemption that he died for the sins of all individuals that make up the human race. He died for all of their sins. But then you ask them, if he died for everybody's sins, why do people go to hell? And invariably they'll say, well, because of unbelief. Is that not a sin? Is that not a sin? It, it's just a, a doctrine that makes no biblical sense. To say he died for everybody's sins, all of their sins. Then you ask them, well, why do individuals still go to hell? And they'll say, because of unbelief. Let me tell you, if Jesus died for an individual's sins, he died for all of their sins. 
You cannot find an exception in the word of God where there's one sin of any of God's elect that Jesus Christ did not pay the penalty for. He died for our sins, all of our sins. Verse 24 of our text says he did this his own self. His own self. There were many occasions during the earthly life of Jesus Christ where he and his disciples would be alone. And there were other occasions where he would just have Peter, James, and John. They would go to him to special places of seclusion, special places with Jesus. Peter, James, and John. But when he went to Calvary to bear our sins, Peter, James, and John couldn't go with him. It was his own self. During his earthly life at times, angels would come from heaven and minister unto him and even strengthen him in his humanity. But not now. Not now. There's no help. For him now. It's Jesus and Jesus only. Jesus only. Hanging on that tree that's mentioned here in verse 24. Try to get the picture. I know we can, none of us can get an accurate picture because we don't know. But I try to get a picture in my mind of Jesus hanging on the tree. And there he is suspended between heaven and earth. Despised and rejected of men from one viewpoint and then forsaken by God the Father from another viewpoint. And there he hangs. There he hangs. As he did bear our sins in his own body, on the tree. I try to get that picture. Hanging between the two. Heaven and earth. Despised and rejected of men. Forsaken by the Father. And there he is. There he is. Look in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews and in chapter 10. I'll begin at verse 2. For then would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience for sin. But in those sacrifices there is remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of, goat, of bulls and of goats should take away sin. Therefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not. That phrase just simply means God was never fully satisfied with those offerings. They never put away one sin. But Jesus said, But a body 
hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above, when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offering and offering for sin, thou wouldest not. Neither hast pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, once for all. What a statement. What a statement. We are sanctified by the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every high priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifice which can never take away sin. Remember we read earlier Jesus took away our sin. He took away our sin. Verse 12, I like this, but this man, standing in opposition to all others, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemy be made his footstool, for or because by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Our text, 1 Peter 2, verse 24, Who his own self bear our sins, I want you to just think about that for a moment. Can you in your own mind and thoughts make this statement personal? Could you think about it in this manner? Who his own self bear my sins in his own body on the tree? Can you truthfully make that statement? Or must you admit, I have never trusted in Jesus Christ. Everyone here can say one or the other truthfully. He did bear my sins, or you must say, I've never trusted in Jesus. I think I've said this before here, I'm not, not sure. But I wish every unbeliever would just write that down on a piece of paper. I do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Write down on that paper, I refuse to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Write on that paper, I had rather go to hell than believe 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. Write those things down if you're an unbeliever. Stick it on your refrigerator, wherever you put things, where you can look at it every day. I do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I refuse to believe in the Lord Jesus. Read it every day. Have it where you see it. Also write on that paper, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Thou shalt be saved. That might make a difference in somebody's life who has sat under the gospel, heard the gospel, but have never believed. If you don't believe, write it down. Are you ashamed to write it down? Write it down. I just refuse to believe in Jesus. I'd rather go to hell and believe in Jesus. But never forget. Just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Thou shalt be saved. 1 Peter 2 and verse 24. To me it's one of the greatest scriptures in the Bible who his own self did bear our sins in his own body on the tree. That's the gospel message. I notice again in verse 24 the purpose that he did that. Did that. The why. It's that we, that we, being dead to sins, should live under righteousness. By whose stripes we're healed. In my estimation, it's not enough just to know that Christ died. We need to know why he died. Why he suffered and died. When you look at the why, you get past the that, that he died. Then look at why he died. Then you get to the true gospel. You get to the true gospel. 